Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. Okay, before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind you that if you go to expatmoneyshow.com, you're going to be able to download our special report. It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. It has been a project of mine I have been working on for maybe four years now, and I constantly update this with the newest and best strategies. Now, it's really different than a lot of other special reports or books out there because this one is really short, and it is short on purpose. What I want to do is kind of highlight to you the best of the best strategies that are out there in the world and then where you can go for additional information or how you can get involved in these things. So instead of writing a 500-page special report on this, which probably chances are no one is going to read it, this is really highly condensed information. I've actually put it in an infographic. It's an infographic special report. Uh, It has helped thousands upon thousands of people really get a grasp of being an expat and what type of things are out there to protect your assets, professionals that you should be working with, investments, real estate, these types of things. So it's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. You can pick it up at expatmoneyshow.com. You'll see it. It's on the very first page at the very top. All you need to do is put in your name and email address. You're going to get a chance to actually join my private email list, EMS Pulse. And there's just so much great things that are shared on there. It's completely free. There's no funnel. There's no trick to this. There's no credit card needed, anything like that. It's just a good resource for you, my listener, who I love and adore. And I want to do right by you guys. So go to expatmoneyshow.com. Pick this up. Let me know what you think. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show. And over the past couple of years of interviewing guests, we've usually come at things from the ownership side, or at least the managerial side of a business. We talk about what our guest does for a living or how they left the lifestyle of corporate America and traveled as an expat to become an entrepreneur. Today, we're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to talk about business, but besides that, something quite amazing. We're going to talk about Love Home Swap but not from someone that has an ownership or a stake in the business, but has used it extensively. 
My guest today did in fact leave the craziness of a nine to five job with his wife and family in tow and began traveling the world, homeschooling their children and becoming digital nomads. He has been traveling the world nonstop for three years and has completed over 60 home swaps in 16 countries across four continents using this system. After chatting with him on the phone a few weeks ago about his travels and reading his book, Choose Life, I knew that I wanted to have you, my listeners, hear his story too. So please welcome to the show, Daniel Prince. Daniel, how are you? Wow, great intro. Thank you very much, Mikhail, for inviting me on. And uh, I look forward to inviting you back onto my show because uh, I think there's a lot of synergy here and uh, I have many listeners that would be interested in the, uh, the services that you're providing. So look forward to a good conversation. Well, me too. And before we got going today, I tried to describe to Daniel what it is that I like my show. I told him that I want my listeners to feel like, you know, they're sitting with us at the pub and kind of listening in on a good conversation by two interesting people. Daniel said, well, we better get a couple of beers going. So we had to push pause for a second. We went and got a couple of beers and we're going to start today's interview. Daniel, before we get going, why don't you take a minute and kind of talk us through your backstory? I want to know what your life was like, because you were actually already an expat before you started traveling extensively. So I think it's an interesting story. Maybe you can take us back in time a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, thanks for, you're taking one for the team here, because it's definitely um, pre 5pm where you are, right? It's uh... <laughs> The nice thing about being an entrepreneur and your own boss is that you can have a, a midday drink. <laughs> so um yeah backstory um well how far do you want to go back i suppose um i guess it started getting interesting when i left school and you know shook off those shackles and went out into the uh, the the wide world of finance um business uh, you know starting to find your own feet trying to figure out you know where your actual strengths are rather than you know what what you've been generally told you're bad at for the, the 12 to 14 years that you're subjected to, um, you know, formal education. And I joined the money markets, uh, foreign exchange markets in London on the back of my dad working on the banking side, knowing someone that knew someone that knew someone that needed a gopher on their dollar mark spot foreign exchange desk. And, you know, when you're a gopher in that game, you really are a gopher. And my, my immediate role at the age of 19, yeah, I just turned 19 was to, um, get people's breakfasts, their coffees. We, we had like 16 to 18 guys sitting around in a, in a big circle, just screaming and yelling numbers at each other, smoking at the desk, right? This is 1995. So almost, well, I'd say 80% of them are smoking. The room was just disgusting. The language was foul. The energy was tangible. Uh, you know, these guys were overpaid, oversexed, overenthusiastic, over everything. It was just like this unbelievable weird environment to be part of but you weren't really part of it because you were just their dog's body and you would get sent down for sandwiches breakfast dry cleaning get shoes mended or get shoes cleaned take down their atm cards get money out for them take down checks to deposit into their bank accounts get lottery tickets yeah you know the list was endless there was there was nothing that i don't think i would have done for someone at, at that stage um and that lasted like three years. And then I got the opportunity, uh, one of the satellite offices, our satellite office in Singapore needed some cover uh, because a couple of guys had left and they were short on um, 
on stuff. Uh, nobody in London wanted to go uh, because of the hubris that surrounds that that financial center. You know, we're the center of finance. This is where I'm going to build my career. This is where I'm going to make my name. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> that sounds pretty interesting. So over I went for eight weeks in Singapore, two weeks in Tokyo, three different job offers in that short space of time. Saw an incredible, incredible opportunity to, to build a career um, in which I knew that opportunity wouldn't exist in London. And um, pulled up my, my girlfriend, and we'd been dating for about a year at the time, and told her what was going on. And she worked in London too. And she's like, well, screw it. Let's do it. I'll come if you're game. Let's go and uh, go and live with each other out on the other side of the world and, and see what happens. And um, and that's what we did. And that was what was originally like a two-year kind of, let's just go see. We've got the contract. If it lasts two years, it lasts two years. That turned into 15 years married um, to the same to the same lady mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and four kids. And then all of a sudden it's like, bam, I I hit this wall. I avoided the general cliched um, divorce and nervous or mental breakdown, which that that business generally brings upon people. Managed to avoid any of the uh, other cliches like um, drug abuse or alcoholism, although here we are drinking beers together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at least it's a uh, quarter past six in my part of the world. And uh, <laughs> I remember talking to you last week about this or the week before, uh, a friend of mine handed me the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, uh, just because we were sitting down having a lunch and I was just saying to him, man, I think I, I just can't face another 10 to 20 years of this and nothing seems to add up. You know, how am I getting paid a decent salary and none of that is there come the end of the month. Like that doesn't make any sense. Nothing makes any sense. The business had changed. I had changed, obviously becoming a father changes us in, in many different ways. Um, my wife had changed, family situation had changed, the country had changed. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I don't think this works anymore. And I don't think, I don't think this is what I want. Um, and it was that book. I remember him telling me about it and thinking, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm going to read a self-help book. Like, seriously. Like, do you know who I am? Like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> knew the kind of person I was. But something made me get back to the office. And I think I just looked around at the, the drabness of the office. The, like, how non-committed my colleagues were to their, their jobs, their lives, their own relationships. I don't know. It was just like this, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to order this book. And I went online, I found the nearest bookshop, I ordered it and I ran down there after work, got it, jumped on the train. And it was only like a 20 minute train journey, but that was all I needed. It's like this, like the first chapter and a half, I could not wait to start reading it again. And I read it five times in as many months. Uh, So I picked it up November, 2014 excuse me, 2013. And by March, 2014, uh, my wife and I, I, I'd quit my job. Uh, my wife and I had sold almost all of our belongings. We'd taken the four kids out of school. Uh, we'd given notice to the landlord and we'd bought a ticket to, um, Koh Samui, Thailand. And, uh, yeah, we were done. We were like, uh, let, we're good to go. Like, let's, let's 
take life by the neck and go travel for six months and see what happens. And see, for a lot of people, I would imagine your life in Singapore is really what they want, especially as expats. You had a high paying job. I remember in private conversations, you told me you had the country club membership. You had, you know, your kids were in private school. You had all of these things that people usually aspired to, but it still wasn't what you needed or it wasn't the things that were fulfilling you. So I think that's quite amazing um, just in its own right that, you know, the dream that other people have is not necessarily the thing that you wanted once you actually got there. And it wasn't until you decided to give it all up and leave. And like, I know you're a happy person because we've become friends. We've talked like it's a genuine, like down to who you are. You are a happy individual. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know where that switch, I can't really put my finger on it. Um, there was lots of little signs along the way, you know, within the company, within the career. Um, and like I said, you know, becoming a father, it just changes your outlook sure. life. And, you know, don't get me wrong. When you're young, when you're in your twenties, you know, you're single, or even if you're not single, you, that's when you're most hungry. That's when you want to make a difference. That's when you want to add value. That's where you want to chase that money. That's great. Go for it. You know, I'm not saying anything against that i you know by this age i got to 37 and i'd been going at it hard 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 and then i realized you know there was the payoff wasn't good enough compared to the sacrifices i was making with regards to like you know being a family guy you know seeing my kids as much as i wanted to I remember sitting at work and like talking to my kids on the phone and just getting like really sad that I wasn't there to, you know, I'd, like my, my son might come on the phone and say something like playing cars, playing cars. And all I wanted to do was sit down and play cars with him. And that, that feeling was just so overwhelming. Um, and then like looking at the clock and thinking I've got another seven hours at this desk with people that are just, you know, they expect so much of you and the, the pound of flesh is never enough. And then you get towards the end of the day and it's like, right, a meeting gets scheduled out of nowhere or a, a client's drink gets scheduled out of nowhere that you, you can't refuse. Um, and at that age as well, you start slowly getting a target on your back rather than being a rising star. And I kind of like looked into the um, future and like I said, reading the book, you know, that there's, there's a certain line in the book, which I've got in my book. I use the, the Tim Ferriss quote. I think it's, you know, I have to paraphrase. Um, enough is enough. Lemmings no more. The blind quest for cash is a fool's errand or something like that. And that was like, bam, I went off. And I'm like, that's me. It's, that is literally a fool's errand because I'm going to wake up one day and it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank account if your kids are now 23, 24 and gone and you've missed all of that good time, you know, what do you measure success by? That, that was another thing. How do you measure, measure success? Um, and unfortunately, we're all taught from a very early age that a measure of success is the title on your business card or the amount of cash in your, in your bank account. So... 
you packed up pretty drastically, a lot of people would say. Got rid of your stuff, quit your job, got rid of your house. Were your family supportive? Were your, the people around you, did they understand what you were doing? How did that work? That's crazy. That's such a hard, bitter pill for people to swallow. And um, when I look back on it, because I think at the time we were so wrapped up in, um, well, to, to answer your direct question, 80 to 90% of people were unsupportive. Um, and that did not come from a place of um, disrespect. That came from a deep place of love and concern. Um, but it didn't feel like it at the time. It just felt like, what? Like, you, you don't think... So, you know, what, what people... When you come to announce this kind of decision, right, what people don't understand is or don't even pay attention to or don't even consider that you've spent the last two to three weeks or months, it depends on different people's um, situations, of deep discussion, spreadsheet math, back of the envelope math, sleepless nights, huge ups and down swings, um, you know, just just one good day at work might have put the whole thing off, right? You know, you, you walk out of the office on that high and you're like, oh, I can never give this up. But nobody, you know, but when you announce to like friends or family that day that you're speaking with them and you say, oh yeah, by the way, I'm quitting next week and I'm taking <laughs> school and we're leaving the country that we've lived in for 15 years. We're going to sell our shit and we're going to go travel. Of course they're going to be unsupportive of that. That sounds like complete lunacy. Looking back on it, I handled it incorrectly when I came up against the, the pushback from people and I saw it as kind of an affront a distrust in my personality almost well guys come on you, you, you honestly think i'm gonna put you know my my wife or my kids lives in jeopardy like you know i i've thought this through extensively and i see nothing but pure upside on this but even then it's too difficult man the narrative and the social construct around us is the exact opposite and it's so deeply indoctrinated into almost the core of our every belief. You know, just, for example, just taking the kids out of formal education. That's like, you know, you may as well, it's almost as if you are physically abusing someone just by saying that, you know, like the, the reaction they have. It's like in the UK, if you, if you say anything bad about the national health system, like all of a sudden, like people back... Yeah, you're the antichrist, of course. Trust me. <laughs> I'm Canadian. I understand, you know, it's like Canadians are so massively proud of our national health care. And it's like, woe those who, uh, who put the, the health care system down or public education or any of these types of things. For sure. I understand that. And I've done a lot of thinking about this. Like, you know, why do people react in such a way that they do? And I face it again now with, uh, with Bitcoin and, uh, trying to educate people around like, the, you know, there's this other thing, guys, you know, but you go against the financial system. Are you crazy? Everything we know and love and believe in and, you know, that everyone's got our backs and don't worry, the government are going to sort it all out and they're, they're, they're going to look after the economy and all of this kind of stuff. People get angry because, and I think it's just like this, this sunk cost fallacy because we're all so damn dependent and we've had like this force-fed narrative 
like you have to go to school schools are human rights schools like um you know this is the best thing you'll never get a job if you don't have certificates for this or gcses or sats whatever you call them in any part of the world you'll never be able to go to college and if you don't go to college you're just going to end up wind up living under a bridge and you won't be successful and you like it's actually what people believe and if you challenge one of one of these beliefs get ready for you know, a, a lot of pushback. And this is the crazy thing. You're the one that's done the research. They're just spousing the, the narrative without actually ever looked at it and didn't even know that there was a second option or a third option or a fourth option. Um, and it's just, they, it's too difficult. This, this sunk cost is so deep. What if they were to look at it and realize, oh man, that MBA, and that 200 grand's worth of debt I'm still paying off? I needn't have done that in the first place. Is that what you're telling me? That's too damn hard, man. That's, it, it's too tough. Yeah, because then they have to admit to themselves that they were wrong, that they made a mistake. And then for, you have to understand that our entire system, especially with the education, is built around not making mistakes that's what they want you to believe is you should be perfect at everything. Every time you were graded, you were given a percentage and you were shown how much you got wrong. And our goal as a society is not to get things wrong. See, as entrepreneurs, I think entrepreneurs often find that making mistakes is part of life. And so people look at entrepreneurs and go, wow, you did all these incredible things. You did all these amazing things. But it's like, how many times did I mess stuff up? How many times did I make mistakes? But then having being open enough to forgive yourself for those types of mistakes, even if they're terrible mistakes, being able to forgive yourself and move forwards and, and pick yourself up. Like when I think about the mistakes I've made in my life, oh my God, like I've done just an incredible amount of dumb stuff, wasted money, uh, just a crazy amount. Like anybody out there who thinks that, you know, Mikhail's such a great guy and he's got everything figured out. It's like, no, I went through tons of tough times. Um, but that built me, built my character. And I think that that's true for a lot of entrepreneurs. When you build that character, it does something for you. But you have to be able to get past those types of mistakes. It's not an easy process, that's for sure. And when you challenge people's belief patterns, they just, they just can't get it. Like there's just so many people just won't get it. They'll st stick into that little box, you know, of what society expects from them, what their family expects from them, what the government expects from them, their friends expect from them, and they don't think for themselves. And it's like, I want to shake people sometimes. It's like, you don't have to live the life that I live. Please don't. I don't. You don't have to meet up to my standards. But at the same time, you have one life to live. Like, as far as anyone can prove, we have one life to live. So it's like, go out there and do the things that you want. Try, experience, you know? And I guess that's why I love your story so much because it was like to a lot of measures, you had everything. You had so much and you decided after 15 years, it's not what you wanted. You wanted something else and you had the courage to go out there and make that happen. For me, that's like so inspirational. I love that type of story. I think that's really amazing. I wish that everybody had this moment um, where they do this. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons that I do some, so much content is because I do want to inspire and if i can't inspire with my own story i want to inspire with yours dan we will just take a quick break i am so happy to announce that the expat money show is going back to weekly 
When you wake up every single Friday morning, you will see a brand new episode of the show waiting for you in your favorite podcasting app. And this couldn't come at a better time because we are about to celebrate our 100th episode of the show. And I want to do something really special for you. So what I thought might be fun is I'm going to interview myself. Mikkel interviews Mikkel, if you will. And you, my amazing audience, are going to decide on the questions. All you have to do to participate is head over to Apple Podcasts, smash that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. While you're there, I want you to write your question at the bottom of your review, and I will give you a shout-out and answer your question live on episode 100. Really, it's unbelievable to think that we are at almost 100 episodes of the show. So to show your love, I want you to go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, ask your question so I can answer it live on episode 100. I'm super excited about this. Thank you so much for being a listener. Okay, let's jump back into the episode. I hope this helps people. I think that once we'd done all of the thinking about it and all of the what-ifs and we'd gone through all of that, you know, the deep conversations, the like I said, the sleepless nights, the spreadsheets, then if you turn that around and if you look at that at a sunk cost and then you telescope out 10 years, I don't want to be the guy that wakes up in 10 years time and looks back and says, shit, remember that time we spent weeks and weeks and weeks thinking about doing that thing and then we didn't do it? What would have happened if we did do it? I didn't want to be that guy. And... You know, Tim Ferriss, again, he does um, a fear-setting exercise in the 4-Hour Workweek, which we worked through together. And it's such a great thing to do if anybody's on the verge of a big decision. Uh, but, you know, your head, there's a thousand no's. And, you know, society is waiting there with 10,000 no's. If you do the fear-setting exercise instead of the goal-setting, uh, I love how he manages to flip everything back to front. And like, you know, like biggest fear, going to go bankrupt, end up living under a bridge, probably alone because wife and kids would have left me, family would have disowned me. And then the next step is, okay, if that's your biggest fear, what's the likelihood of that happening? And you're like, well, I mean, in reality, you know, relationships pretty damn strong, unlikely would break up, probably going to come closer knit together if you put into, you know, existential crisis situations, which probably going to happen on our travels. People pull together, right? We all know that. Living under a bridge? Doubt it. I've got plenty of friends all over the world. My mum and dad have a five-bedroom house. My two brothers have their own houses. Um, you know, uh, I think would be okay there. Bankrupt? Probably not. You know, um, pretty prudent with everything you've done over the last 15 to 18 years of your career. You've not bought the Porsche and the Gucci loafers like, uh, like your counterparts. Yeah, and the bankruptcy, from the bankruptcy side, it's like, how much debt do you have? If you're racking up massive amount, amounts of debt, then okay, yeah, maybe you could go bankrupt. But if you're selling everything, getting rid of your house, and you don't have a car, I mean, what kind of debt are you going to have? Like, you're going to be cash rich. Um, if you run out of money, okay, that can happen. But I mean, what happens if you run out of money? Like, go out there and start working. Like, <laughs> And that was another thing, you know, run out of money. Um, and, you know, what would you do in that situation? In that situation, well, you'd pick up the phone, right? And you'd get into your network and you'd call around. And, it, you know, it would probably take 10 phone calls 
to follow the breadcrumbs to somebody that is looking for the kind of skill set, or you just go straight back into the, um, the, you know, the, the finance career that you had and you had 18 years experience and you could probably walk back into a higher position because you've had the 18 years experience and you've had a year out business and you're now free of any contractual obligations, somebody's probably, you might get into a bidding war. So you can just knock all of these fears down, but you've got to do the fear setting exercise. So you work through all these and, and I probably should have asked you this at the beginning, but what was your wife like through all of this? Was she supportive? Did she believe in this? Yeah. So, you know, a key point. We had made some big changes in our lifestyle in Singapore because we had a, um, a surprise twin pregnancy, which took us from two to four kids pretty quickly. Uh, you know, yeah, we had a double down. And like you said earlier in the, in the lead up, um, the, we had uh, our oldest at the time was in an international school. Our second was in line to join that international school and these are astronomical fees. Um, but it's one of these expat follow the Joneses type traps that you get caught into. Um, and then when the twins came along, you know, the, the, the math just got blown out of the water. It's like, this is an unsustainable lifestyle. So we, for a year, tried out the, the local schooling system in Singapore, which gets talked up around the world. Uh, don't listen to it. It's complete nonsense. It's a basic prison um, you know, stroll in in a line they play the national anthem first thing everybody has to stand still sit down in rows don't say anything just listen to the teacher and the system there just skims the cream of natural mathematical talent so they can become the engineers and the doctors and the lawyers and everyone else just gets pigeonholed into other nonsense um that's how they created their society um so we were not enamored with with our kids going through that and um, having the um, having to stare down the barrel of all four kids going through that just because I was employed in that country did not sit well with her. And we'd looked into many different educational opportunities and options. Um, and there just wasn't, there wasn't a solution at that time. We're back in 2014. And then we watched um, the most watched TED talk of all time and rather timely just a few days ago. So Ken Robinson passed away. Um, who was such a huge, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, three day, three or four days ago, he passed away short battle with cancer. Uh, he has three TED talks and, um, the first one do schools kill creativity was such a pivotal moment in our research. Um, I'd seen the talk once before, but then when I watched it again, when we were in this, is there another option for education out there? Which right now I urge any of your listeners, anyone that's listening to this, you know, coronavirus sent us all remote learning or remote work. You have options, go watch that talk and then go watch his, um, two other Ted talks as well. Uh, incredible man. Um, you know, will never be forgotten and a huge inspiration to us. He, um, he unlocked us a great deal in, in the mindset around education and a big piece of the puzzle fell into place there. That was like this huge click. It's like, hang on a minute, kids out of formal education, first of all, isn't illegal, which many of us are just, we just naturally think it's illegal to, to do that, to take our kids out of school. Um, and 
for him, for somebody of his stature, who is an, you know, a, a professor himself, an academic himself, and somebody who had worked for the um, very closely with the government in the late '90s in the UK to put together a, a report about the um, the education system in the UK, to hear him deliver that that speech and to challenge the narrative and the way that he did it was just like bam, and she was definitely on board with that and supportive of, okay, looks like this journey of living in Singapore is coming to an end. Desperate to travel, desperate to show the kids the world. Very supportive of, you know, let's take six months, roll the dice and see what happens. And if we end up in a different country and you get another job, then so be it. We'll just, you know, we've done it once before, we can do it again. So that was, um, that was very, uh, I mean, anyone listening might be thinking, oh, yeah, that's all great. The two of you were on board. But, you know, not originally. It, it, took, it took something. He's like, first of all, I was just this mad guy reading a book with pie in the, eye, pie, pie in the sky eyes. I think I must have, like, like, the third time I finished it and read it and I, I turned to her. And I, I was annoying her so much with, like, you know, prodding it. I'd be reading it in bed. And I'll, I'll listen to this bit and listen to this bit and listen to this bit. And li- <laughs> she's never read the book she's probably just i may have audio booked it to her uh subliminally but yeah then once she realized that i was getting much more serious about this um and then you know watching the second robinson thing click into place then it's like yeah okay well if this is real then let's probably plan for it let's let's like get down into the weeds what's this really going to look like well and then i guess a lot of people would think okay so you went through the expat journey you were 15 years a lot of people would just go home, you know, after 15 years, they'd be like, Oh, I want the kids to be closer to their grandparents. I want to be closer to the rest of my family, or I miss, you know, food and culture and stuff from, from back, you know, UK for you, Canada for me. But you guys actually went the opposite way. You went like more travel, more, (laughs) more, more experience, more adventure. So what kind of prompted that? Oh, I think you know the answer to this one. Yeah, I, I know the answer. I can guess on the answer, but at the same time, you know, I got to be a good host and try to like line up the questions for you. You know, it's not just about me. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but anyone that's been through that, um, you know, once you've left a place um, that you've you've known intimately and you know all the good things about it and all the bad things about it, once you leave a place and challenge every kind of sense in your body, you know what it's like moving to a different country. It sounds a bit cheesy, but it's not. It's like new sights, new sounds, new smells, new tastes, new sensations, new weather, new sky. You know, the, 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 the sky is a different shade of blue in different parts of the world. It blows your mind. Um, at nighttime, the, the, the sky can be as inky black as you've ever seen it, and the stars just... It just, there's, there's no going back. There, there, there just isn't. I mean, maybe, yes, maybe to a different part of the country. I'd never rule that out. But going back to what was my hometown, in, in air quotes, no way. Forget it. Done. Like, I just, I just can't. I just couldn't imagine it. The only place that I feel out of place is my hometown. Actually, anywhere in southwestern Ontario. It's the only place, especially, you know, you can't walk back in, you know, 15 years for you, well, 15 years at the time, 20 years for me. I mean, there's no way to walk back in. It's like, 
life doesn't stand still. Your friends from high school, your friends from, well, public school, like they've moved on. They have new friends. It's all new things. I mean, and then your experiences, when you try to explain them, you look like an alien. Like, like conversations just stopped abruptly. And I just found that it's, it's just so difficult to connect with people. What I've found very easy to connect with people is in a new place. And then whether, like I've done the expat scene in expat communities where all my friends are expats, and I've done local scenes where all my friends are locals. I still find that easier than going back home. And I've got this drive to continually explore. And I mean, that's where I feel at home is out on the road, making things work, finding you know, a new place to live and your favorite restaurants and the park to go and the cinema and your new favorite things like this. And, you know, I don't try to compare, you know, what I had in Abu Dhabi or what I had when I lived in Singapore as well to what I have here today in Panama. They're all different and I appreciate them all for what they are. If you try to hold on to things like, oh, well, in Abu Dhabi, this was better. In New Zealand, in Queenstown, that was better. And I mean, that's no way to live. You just got to take things for what they are and, and appreciate uh, the change. I like that change personally. I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I love the change, man. And I know that, um, what am I now? 44, goodness knows how many other countries I will live in, you know, over the next 40, 60 years, whatever. Um, but I know it won't just be one because the world is just, too damn inviting. It, you know, it is just like, I, I think it's, I would say it's riskier to live your whole life in one town, one part of the world, one country, than it is to like, quote unquote, take the risk and go and live somewhere else. You know, but again, we have all of this nationalistic BS that is drilled into us. And that's another thing that you see once you step away. That's what you see when you look back. You're like, ah, damn. That's why these guys are like that. That's why I was like that. You know, like a classic example is um, what's going on between England and France right now. I know, I guarantee you, most of the people in the UK have uttered the two words in the last two weeks, ah, bloody French. Mm. <laughs> what you grow up believing that you know it's um that you know they're rude and obnoxious and that, you know nothing could be further from the truth you know we've lived here at the moment now for four years and traveled through extensively and everyone here is just so friendly and opening and, and, and open excuse me and supportive to um this weird english family that turned up on the the shores of france and started traveling around and home swapping and house sitting and um, you know, getting involved and trying to speak the language and enjoying the food and loving the culture. And it's, um, and I know we'll do the same in a different part of the world, whether that's uh, another European country or further afield again, who, who knows? Mm -hmm. Well, come down to Panama. You can be my next door neighbor. There's <laughs> lots of adventure down here. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, when you get out of lockdown, let me know. And then we can. Uh, I will for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, where we kind of left off the story and we went on a couple of side tangents, but I think that they were really important because I want people to understand some of these things. But w when we left our story, you, you had sold everything and you were headed to Thailand, 
what happened next? Okay, so um, why Thailand? People are going to be like kind of asking. Uh, so when um, our first child was born, uh, which is now 15 years ago, as of uh, a few weeks ago, not even, um, I was actually on gardening leave between companies. Uh, so we had some, some time off, uh, which is nice timing. Um, our first child came along, you know, as, as you all know, big pivotal moment in, in all of our lives. Um, we had at that point because of directly because of the move in, in, in companies, um, some spare cash to make an investment. And we would look at property prices in Singapore and God, Damn it, did we miss a trick there? <laughs> there you go, there's a mistake. Um, so instead of uh, investing in, in property in Singapore, we invested in a property in, uh, in Koh Samui in Thailand, which was just an hour and a half flight from, from Singapore um, with the kind of rationale that if we've got a place and it's our own, uh, you know, family holidays are never going to be the same again. Now we can't just rock up to a five-star hotel and go out to restaurants every night. We're going to have to self cater and we're going to need more room and you know, all of that. So it was another well thought out decision. So we, we invested in, in a place there and we've held it ever since. So that's why we bought the ticket to, to Thailand because we knew um, that was a bit of a safety net. Let's just go and drop a knee two months in Thailand let the decision sink in. So you already had the holiday home by the time you sent went to Thailand. That was already set up, had already been running. I assume you were Airbnb-ing it or using it as a um, vacation rental while you were not there? Or There were no bookings coming in and out for like the two months that we wanted to be there. So up we rocked. And uh, it was like, um, brilliant. Okay, at least we've got some breathing space. We've got somewhere to call home with the four kids. At this stage, the twins had just turned three and the other two was you know, five and seven. So that was weird. That was, you know, um, that's when like the first couple of weeks, your monkey mind just thinks you're on holiday. It's no biggie. You know, uh, familiar surroundings, um, go to the beach, uh, go out for a you know, bite to eat when you could with the kids, whatever, just do holiday stuff, lay around watching movies, take a swim. That's just, that's fine. After about the third or fourth week, like the monkey mind started kicking in and it it was just dreadful. It was like, you know, you lazy mother fucker. (laughs) (laughs) The self-doubt just comes in, eh? Probably unemployable. You know, what have you done? You threw it all away. Um, you know, you, you like, I wasn't used to being around four kids, right? That's big. That's like, that's what I wanted. Now I had it. It's like anything in life, right? Now I had it. They drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> How can you argue over a cup that is the same yeah. and filled to the exact same level of just cold water? Yeah. But somehow you guys are arguing over this. And on the flip side, they weren't used to me being around, right? They weren't used to my mood swings. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, they weren't used to my, um, and they certainly weren't, you know, ever considering that, you know, I might be going through this kind of like huge freaking self-doubt anxiety. Um, my wife wasn't used to having me around. You know, all of a sudden I'm making parental decisions that, you know, 
that basically would have just rolled off her like 24 seven. Now she's now like something goes down and she's like, Hey, don't do that. And I'm like, well, don't do that. What's the matter? And then she's like, huh? Like you challenging my authority in front of the kids. I've been handing this for the last five years. You've been in the office. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So all of these family dynamics started setting in, um, which is, you know, that, 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 that was, that was really, really difficult. And then you have the loss of identity to deal with because like we, we framed before, you know, we're, 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 so geared up by society to be successful and be this person. So I'd gone from an 18 year career of being a foreign exchange, international money broker to the silence was for effect. Right? Dramatic effect. Yeah. I was kind of waiting there. I thought that we had to like, no, I understand. Like you didn't know what it was for sure. Didn't know who it was, didn't know what it was. Um, and it's difficult. Um, I, I'm sure you can talk to a little bit about this as well. Like, you know, being an entrepreneur, one minute you're buzzing, you're flying off the walls, you got this new idea, you go build this thing, it fails and nothing. Then what? Then who are you now? Come on, I, I want to hear, hear a story. <laughs> an anecdote for me. Um, I've had this several times in my life. Uh, before I got heavy into the offshore markets, my big thing was fitness. And I mean... I built my whole life around it. I studied dietics. I would buy university textbooks and dig into these types of things like crazy. We tried to start a gym. We started to start our own uh, clothing company in fitness. And then I had an accident and uh, injured my back. And then it was just like, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't dress myself. I had so many problems and it was like, I was supposed to be competing at, you know, men's fitness competitions and things. And I just built everything around that. That was my persona. And, and actually it's kind of funny. I've never, I never talk about this on my podcast at all or any of in my writing, but I mean, that was my life for 10 plus years was all in the fitness industry. That was my hobby. That was my passion. I knew and understood more than like anybody you would ever meet in your life about this. And all of a sudden I hurt my back over it and I had to stop. And it was like, tried rehab, tried chiropractics, tried physiotherapy, tried anything and everything. And then it was like, okay, well, what do we want to do? And that's when I started getting into the offshore markets probably about five years ago. And I just looked at my life and was like, well, I'd already been doing this. Well, at that time for about 15 years on a personal level, you know, paying zero taxes legally, offshore banking, second residency, traveling the world. And it was like, well, I already know all this stuff. It's not, it's not my hobby. It's, it's my life. And then tried to create my dream job based around the things that I was already an expert in. And I have a huge amount of background in digital marketing. So kind of put that into place and then started going into this but there is that interim period where it's like i tried a few ideas they didn't work you know lots of sleepless nights lots of times trying to think things through and what do you want to do what do you what do you want to be when you grow up you know and it's like when you're early 30s or late 20s and you're going through this it's like i don't know man it's not not a thing that you expected to have to ask ask yourself no man that's not and uh yeah sorry to hear um about your accident and i hope everything is um is well now. 
Well, I was at the chiropractor this morning about two hours ago, so I'm still dealing with things even, you know, it's probably seven, seven years on, five years on now, something like that. So, but anyways, I'm a happy guy. I love my life and I love the way that it's turned out right now. But I want to hear, so you got to Thailand, you were there for two months. We still haven't gotten, I, I promised my listeners the home swap, the love home swap. I want to, I want to get into this, Daniel. I want to know, understand yeah okay um i found love home swap a big shill for love home swap uh don't mind shilling those guys um they changed the way we travel forever they changed our life they made the life we lead now possible um lovehomeswap.com go check them out um how did i find i I, it, I was in the office and I'd, I was on the second read of the four-hour work week and uh, pretty much committed. I was keeping an online journal at the time. Man, that was a great thing to do, actually. Anyone in this position. Um, I used Pingu. Pingu, Pengu. One of the, I can't remember exactly. Um, but just writing your thoughts down. As soon as I sat down in the morning, I'd turn my computer on and I would just write, I would just, dump whatever I'd been dreaming about, worried about, thinking about out on that page. And um, it set up like notifications, like, have you written today? Have you written today? It, I, I, always, I always had, I don't think I missed a day. And um, I was just like cruising around the internet trying to figure out, okay, if we're going to do this, we want to go travel. How do we, like, let's reverse engineer this thing. Tim Ferriss again, like, you know, start from first principles. How would I do that for free? And, you know, just do the whole moonshot thing. Um, and then I found a clip. It's in the book. I think it's the Ottawa evening news. It was some Canadian channel news or something. And, um, Debbie Waskow, the, the founder of love home swap was doing just like a press junket around the world. Um, shilling love home swap. And um, talking about how she'd been inspired by the film The Holiday with uh, Cameron Diaz and uh, Kate Winslet after watching it on an airplane to go on holiday and spend the next two weeks of a shit holiday because she had her two kids with her all trying to cram into a single-bedroom hotel, um, you know, dreadful experience. So she creates this company. I go to the website. I sign up. It was like free trial. Um struck up a pretty good relationship over the phone with the, um, the, the sales guy that was trying to, you know, sign me up, uh, to, to the, to a paying customer. Um, but he was a cool young man and, uh, we, we, um, you know, we, we're still in touch now. And, um, what year was this? This would have been right, right around new year, 2014. So I started reading the book November, 2013. And then by Jan, 2014, I knew it was on and I knew I was going to resign on the 1st of Feb. I think I resigned. So, you know, I was already getting, this was just another piece of the puzzle that needed to drop. Um, and so I signed up and um, just for a free trial and he connected with a few people. And I think when we were, before I'd even resigned, I got, bam, we would love to swap homes with you. And it was this 10 bedroom, picture perfect, Swiss Alpine ski lodge 
And I was like, huh? They're like, you know, you can't come in a ski season, but, you know, it's beautiful in summer. You can do hiking and whatever else. It's big enough for your family. I thought, well, that's incredible. Shit, this looks like it might work. I mean, we didn't accept because we weren't ready to, to leave yet. And then two days later, another one came in from Bulgaria, this beautiful house on a lake somewhere. And I'm like, what? The, holy crap. And then this just kept happening. So I signed up full time. And it was when we were in that two months, the first one of the first, first or second week that we were in Kosamui, you know, we'd quit and we'd gone. And we're in our home over there. And um, a swap request came in from Sydney over Christmas 2014 into 2015, three weeks. Christmas and New Year in Sydney and Paddington, right opposite the you know Victoria Park and four or five bedroom house. And like, what? Yes, done, no problem. <laughs> so we know where we're going to be Christmas, right? We've got a roof over our heads for three weeks in Christmas. It's like, right, let's start building an itinerary. And then we just started working backwards. Like, okay, if we're going to be here for two to four months, um, then we, uh, no, like two or three months, then we will transition through Singapore. We wanted to hit and come and see family in, uh, in England and Europe. So, right, okay, we'll need home swaps in England. Bam, home swap in Kent, no problem. Beautiful house, you know, like one and a half acres of land, walk to the pub, you know, all the great quintessential English stuff. Go and stay with um, both sets of parents. There's another four weeks chalked off. Go and stay with, um, now then we got a, a home swap in uh, Italy, Lake Como, unbelievable, looking down at, um, like, right on the lake. And then we got a home swap in, um, no, we went and house sat for, for my wife's family in, um, in Switzerland because they were gone for a couple of weeks. They had an apartment. Then we got a home swap uh, just uh, two and a half weeks in Croatia. And then, um, my God, what a country. And then we got back and um, headed over to the Far East again, Stay with some friends in Singapore, then started our Australian tour. And we got a, a home swap right on the beach, just north of the Margaret River and just south of Perth for um, two weeks, overlooking the ocean. Just like these places, mate, you can't, you, I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, and then we, we moved from there to Melbourne and then from there to Sydney and then from Sydney to Christchurch. And we spent three months touring New Zealand, both islands. That was a mix of home swapping, help X, which we can get into if you want. Um, and I think we paid Airbnb one, one week because it was just like high up there summer and we just, we couldn't find any other option um, in Queenstown. Yeah, that's right. And then from there to the, uh, the West coast of uh, the US, San Francisco, Seattle, Vancouver, then across to Ontario, then down to New York, and down to Virginia, then back to Europe. Man, this was this was life. This was um, then all over Europe, France, Spain, uh, Italy, um, England again. Like you know, we we were like, well, I wonder, I wonder <laughs> what it would be like to live in England. And so we we booked up, I think about three months worth of home swaps all over Christmas, all over like the worst weather time. Um, you know, just to give it, you know, give it the dice a good old roll. And uh, we swapped different, different areas. Um, yeah, it was uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, and I guess this is an opportune time. Maybe let's figure out 
or explain to people how the system works, because maybe we're jumping the gun. If people are not familiar with it, and, and let me just go on record, this is not a sponsored episode or anything. Yes. Uh, by Love Home Swap. It's just uh, an amazing system that I'm, I'm discovering now, and uh, I want to share with people because I think it's just so super cool. But Daniel, explain how the system works so everyone has a clear picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just... And, and by the way, yes, there, there are tens, if not dozens of other websites you can check out. You know, there, there's, there's plenty out there now. Don't just take my word for it that this is the best one. It, it, it likely isn't. It's just the one that's worked for okay. us. Um, you, you, you list your home. You just take nice pictures, just like an Airbnb listing, right? Take as nice pictures as you possibly can. Okay. A little bit of blurb about yourself, the reason um, you're, you're looking to travel, where you'd like to travel, a um, little bit about your family, a little bit about the area. It's just like a basic classic Airbnb listing type, you know, type thing. Um, and then you're up there. Uh, you can set an amount of points that you would be happy to accept as well. And so if you wanted to enter the, the point swap system. Um, so for sake of argument, let's say our place might be listed at like 200 points per night, for example. And then anybody who's part of the community, part of the website can just, Type in. So we're straight back. We got back two days ago from a home swap in Switzerland. So let me, let me flesh that out, how that worked, right? Yeah. Paint us a picture. So you log on to the website. You've, got, you've already got your listing set up for mm-hmm. your house in Thailand. Yep. Um, so we're like, well, where do we want to go? Uh, we were very unfussy. Um, we, we didn't have a, anywhere in mind. It's like anyone that's willing to swap with us, basically. And, um, you know, looks like a different part. So you're kind of agnostic on the location, yep. on the destination. Um, sometimes we'll be like, you know, let, let's go to Spain or let's go to Italy. But for this particular time, because it was like late, late notice, then, um, then we wanted like, just let's go somewhere. We've got a week and a half to kill. Let's go somewhere. Um, so I sent, I must've sent out about 50 or 60 approaches and I was just using the map to search. Uh, so I'd zoom in on the map. There's a home there, click. So I'd filter it. Can sleep minimum four because the, the kids can share double beds, right? It doesn't, or there's always a camp bed or something. I don't need six per se. Um, sleep's minimum four. Um, filter, done, loads and loads. Pull, filter, brilliant, still loads. And then I just went on a rampage like click, um, Hi, my name is Daniel Prince. I'm the author of Choose Life. Um, you know, this is our family uh, blog. We are ambassadors of this site. We've traveled, you know, did a little, little, done over 60 swaps. So we have that going for us, obviously. But even if you didn't, don't be afraid of that. Um, and then I would just send out, I sent out like 50 or 60 different um, approaches this time around. Usually, I would say I send out between five and 10 before you get. Um, kind of a, a good response. But because this was late notice... 50 or 60 sounds like a lot. How, how long does that take? You can copy-paste. That's, that's the genius thing, yeah. right? Copy-paste, send, copy-paste, send, copy-paste, send. Gee, yeah, the, 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 the trap most people are going to fall into is um, kind of like uh, looking at house porn. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I love this yeah. one. And this would be great. And we could sit there and we could have drinks by the pool and, oh, and look at this. And then you call the wife over and look, oh, yeah, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? And then you write this really long message and blah, blah, blah. And they just come back, yeah, booked. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got to go for it and spray. 
Uh, and people, you know, that this people say to me, oh, well, that, that seems a bit, you know, disingenuous. I'm like, okay, well, how many hotels do you search when you're, you know, trying to pick your perfect one? Right? It loads, right? People get magazines sent to them still. It's, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that you're going to do. You're going to put a bit of research in. But don't get caught into that trap. Just like ping, 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 ping. Um, and this family came back from Switzerland, uh, said, wow, like, this is amazing. We love your story. We love your website. This is crazy. Um, we would love to do the same kind of thing with our kids. Uh, we would love to go to Koh Samui. Um, we can't swap directly with you because even right now, right, we're in coronavirus. Nobody can fly to Koh Samui. So you probably think I was crazy even asking. Well, this is the flexibility of the system. One, they might have accepted points for us to come and stay. You never know. You never know the situation. Are are they going on holiday anyway? Um, do they have a place they can go and stay? Like, do they have friends and family nearby that they would like actually like to come and visit? So I could have sent them points. And if it's 200 points a night and I've accrued points from other people staying in my house, then it's circular economy within this particular website. Works perfectly. So in this particular case, um, the family had a... Um, a, uh, a chalet an hour and a half away from their home where they could go and um, stay in their own chalet, do some hiking in the mountains, vacate their home so we could go and stay for a week. And they, um, they proposed that they would might like to go and stay in our home in Koh Samui in July or August of next year. To which I'm like, perfect. That's great. Thank you very much. I'll just block those dates out. We can figure that out, you know, closer to the time. And um, that's how that happened. That was that trip, which we literally just returned from. An incredible home facing Lake Le Mans and uh, looking across at France. And uh, yeah, beautiful. Well, and I think it's so amazing because, you know, I have a growing family as well. Plus my mother um, lives with us and travels with us and helps take care of my daughter. So we're a family of four at the moment. We'd like to have another child. It's not the same as, you know, when it was just me and my wife traveling around or when I was traveling around by myself. I mean, going to hotels now gets quite expensive. Or if my wife's family comes along too, like when we go to China, we've traveled all over China, you know, and then her folks come or her, she's quite close with her aunts as well. So they come. So there might be eight of us or something. I mean, we've, we've done the hotel thing many times or the Airbnb thing. And it gets expensive when you need four rooms. Um, I, love, I love the idea of being in a house and being in a neighborhood and in a community with the locals. I think it's going to be a lot more authentic. I think that there's some amazing opportunities. Plus, I remember on my research, it said that a lot of people will allow you to use their car too. Um, sometimes if they have a boat or a jet ski or their bicycles. So, I mean, like there's a whole extra layer just in that. Um, which you'll never get with a hotel. Never. Um, we've done all of those above. We've had the boat. We've had uh, the car, um, bikes, um, electric scooters, and you know all, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. People are so willing to to share their experiences, uh, their possessions. Excuse me. Um, so you know. <laughs> The first, the first thing people always say is, oh, yeah, but, you know, what if someone comes and steals all your stuff and trashes your house? Like, you know, it's like, okay, have you ever stolen anything? Like, really? What, am I going to walk away with someone else's TV? 
and then get on an airplane and fly home with it. It's kind of ridiculous. And in this particular case, um, when we arrived, the family were there to meet us. Their the sons were still in the swimming pool having fun, right? And so they, uh, they give us a tour. They show us how everything works. They show us how the TV works. You know, this is how you sign into Netflix. And this is how, uh, oh, don't forget, show them how the alarm works. Okay, this is how the alarm works. And if you ever have any problems with this, just call this number and this number. Um, these are the restaurants that we really think you should check out. These are the towns that you should probably go and visit. If there's, any, if there's ever any problem, we're only an hour and a half away. Um, and, you know, you, you build a rapport with these people because you've already had this, you've already touched base several times via email anyway. You've already had this back and forth and built up a relationship and got this built in trust. And when you, you don't meet the hosts all the time, obviously, you know, if you're crossing in the air, then you're never going to actually physically meet each other. But we all live in Zoom these days. That's easy to, and, you know, we've done that many a time, meet the family via Zoom first. And then um, in this particular case, like you said, you're you're just part of the community. You can walk down into town. One one evening I was sitting out having a beer and uh, responding to some texts and whatever else. And there's a knock at the door. I'm like, Okay, that's that's pretty strange. Let's go see who's at the front door. And it was um, it was one of the neighbors. And I opened the door, and he looked at me. And uh, funny enough, the guy that the owner's name was Mikel. Um, Mikel, who <laughs> Mikel had suddenly you know was suddenly twenty years younger in in, in front and standing in front of him. I'm like uh, you know, no, Mikel isn't here. You know, with friends of the family in the house. He's like, ah. <laughs> oh, okay, you, you speak English? And then we got into this discussion. He wanted to borrow an egg, right? <laughs> he was the next door neighbor. And before we had this 20-minute discussion with a guy on the front porch that, you know, was a really interesting person. And um, you're just part of the community immediately. And you don't get that when you just turn up at a hotel and, you know, you kind of you get smiled at at the breakfast table and, you know, whatever else, but uh, you, you never, it's a completely different travel experience. And you, as, as owners and as travelers, you feel this like sense of um, stewardship over the other person's home rather than mm-hmm. if it's an Airbnb place, you have this sense of entitlement. I've paid, this is mine. Mm-hmm. I knew whatever the hell I like in here and I'm going to leave it in a mess because some cleaner's going to come in and do it mm-hmm. anyway. In a home swap, total opposite. You know, we left, we bought this beautiful orchid. We left a note and a card and, you know, we turned up with a bottle of wine. We exchanged wine with each other. There's this sense of stewardship and this sense of, you know, you guys are leaving your home. You have been kind enough to give it to us. If, even if a glass gets broken, First of all, I'm just going to go out there, source it, find it, and replace it myself. If I can't, then I'm going to you know, give you a call and find out where I can get it from. And, of course, they always say, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it's a glass. Things happen. But um, it's just it's such a, an amazing way to, to travel and be – I mean, it, honestly, mate, it, it kind of um, restored a faith in humanity that, that I never, never felt before. Mm because you're turning up in complete strangers' homes and they've opened the doors and they want you to come and experience their part of the world and have an amazing time and they want you to be comfortable and they'll do anything to help you. And I want the same for them in return. Well, that's amazing. And 
I guess one of the other things that I'm, I'm quite curious about, like you went to Switzerland for one week. Is a week kind of the standard? Is it longer? Is it shorter? What, what's, the, what's the time frame that people often do this? Because, I mean, you've been at this for years now, um, traveling in over 60-some-odd swaps. Like, yeah, talk me through that part of it. It completely ranges. And what's it yeah. about now, once we all come out of lockdown and the world's in a, you know, a bit of a stranger, different place, there are going to be a lot more opportunities, longer term opportunities, I think, because travel is going to plummet. Uh, you know, people are going to be psychologically damaged and scared and they're not going to want to travel uh, and be on airplanes and things like that. Uh, you know, understandable for, for us, we, we figure this is going to be an opportunity to get some, um, cheap airline tickets, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, go off and start exploring the world again. And if we can find longer term home swaps, which you can, you know, a perfect example is Spain out of season houses can sit there unused unloved for three or four months um and this is where home where home sitters or house sitters come into play um travel the world home home sitting or pet sitting we've met numerous families we've house sat ourselves we house sat in france july and august the height of the french rental you know this is where people make their money we were house sitting this guy's house for free under the guise of you know we just need someone in the house to do the gardening. We've got, you know, a few builders coming in to do some works on the house. I don't want to rent it out. It's, I di- he didn't feel comfortable renting it out because it wasn't in the, like the state he wanted it to be in, but he didn't want it. Left. Um, and these are, there's opportunities for very long-term home swaps or, or house sits for sure. Definitely found um, more in the vacation uh, home kind of part of the site. So you just put the filter on, you know, search vacation homes. And if you search vacation homes out of season, which is the best time to really be a tourist, um, that's, that's where you'll be able to score some, um, some, some nice long ones. I think like the longest we did, well, actually, yeah, we, we home swapped for a month into France and then ended up turning that into a rental for two years because we loved it so much. Wow. <laughs> Before that, we'd had a month in Spain on a, on a house swap. I think a month is probably the, the, the longest that we've done at any one time. And do a lot of the people who are on the site, is it their primary residence or is it the vacation rental that they own and kind of put that into the pool and then use that almost like a timeshare? It's like a timeshare you own um, and use that as an opportunity to travel to new places. Yeah, there's a huge mix. There's a huge mix. Um, you know, one, one person on the site said, you know, why own one home when you can own like 60,000, like, you know, by listing your place on there. So people have, pri- with like this, this family in Switzerland, it was their primary residence. Um, but they also list their, their holiday home as well. Uh, so that, both on there um there's boats on there you know you, you can stay in people's boats uh, i think people have lifted listed um motorhomes as well so you could go and, uh, and swap a motorhome it, there you know it ranges from a one-bedroom flat to like a 15-bedroom ranch you know in in 
like Carolina or something on the, on the outskirts of Augusta. Like, you know, it's just, it's nuts. Um, <laughs> it's what, well, once you start falling down that rabbit hole, um, you, it, it's so difficult to ever turn back. You know, just January this year, my daughter had, she, she had to find a, a one week work experience as part of her schooling here in France. So I, I lined her up a gig at a uh, city pantry in the UK, a startup my friend is CEO, CEO of. And uh, sure enough, I'm like, I'm not going to pay an Airbnb or a week's worth of hotel bills in London. Got onto home swap, secured a flat, a one bedroom flat, one and a half bedroom flat, you know, perfect for her and I, uh, cycling distance from the office and you can use the Santander bikes and done. Like, you know, the expense was the, the flights and, you know, you fly Ryanair, it's like 30 pounds a head. You know? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Yeah. And then the food, the food that you're going to eat there, I mean, is no different than the cost of the food that you're going to eat if you were back at home. And I mean, because if you have a kitchen as well, you don't have to eat out all of your meals. You know, when we go on holiday and every single meal three times a day for four of us, six of us, 10 of us, it's all at a restaurant that starts to rack up a lot of, a lot of money. But I mean, if you've got the kitchen, if you can have cereal in the mornings or, you know, something simple, there's massive savings there as well. Huge, huge savings. So do you think in this day and age and, and like, let's, let's take coronavirus out of the mix, but if someone is listening to this episode and they're a nine to five and they're thinking about giving it up, do you think that, like, would you recommend home, Love Home Swap or any of the other Home Swap types of sites as a viable option to go out there and really explore the world and do it for multiple years like you? Do you think that that is still a, a good path forward in 2020? Yeah, 100%. If it, was, if it was possible in 2014, it's even more possible now because these sites have just exploded. You know, the sharing economy, the circle economy has just exploded. It's only just getting started. Um, I don't count Airbnb as sharing economy or circular economy because you are, it's a transaction. It's transactional. There's no sharing economy there. Um, I, I, I view the pure sharing economy as like, you know, Mikasa Sukasa, that that is, you know, let's like, let's go, let's, let's really start sharing. Let's, let's do this thing. Um, and I would say, want to leave your job or not? Like the next time you book a holiday, hold back, join one of these sites on the free trial, send out 10 to 20 requests at the most audacious properties you could find. <laughs> Mate, <I> swear, <laughs> we home swapped with a British bloody rock star, his house in the, in the south of France. Um, <laughs> one of the guitarists from the Stone Roses. No way. This is nuts, right? Yeah. Th th this is happening. It's out there. It is for everyone. And there's absolutely no reason not to, not to do it. Um, so yeah, next holiday, check one of these sites out and um, give it a whirl. Um, at the very least, you're going to save the 10 grand you probably drop on a five-star holiday resort for a week. And I see this as a great step for a lot of people who want to, you know, dip their toes in. Because I mean, 
a lot of people, they're like, yo, all right, I could quit my job or I could take a leave of absence or a gap year or something like that. But I mean, my, my house is my home. This is where I've got all my stuff. Maybe I don't, I don't want to get rid of everything. Maybe I don't want to sell my place or it's in a good neighborhood and I'll, or I'll never get back in here or it was my grandmother's house before. I mean, there's tons of personal reasons that people have attachment to, to their home. But I mean, this is an opportunity that you could actually keep your place and still get to travel extensively. It's like a eat your cake and have it too type of scenario. So, I mean, like that in itself is a great opportunity to give it a try. To bust the myth even further, like what if someone comes in and steals all my shit? Like, I mean, like let's do, let's, let's do the actual like real like basic first principles thinking on that. It's like, okay, fine. Then don't home swap, go and spend your 10 grand and go and do your, your, your week's holiday in the, in the swanky hotel, whatever, you know, you deserve it. You've worked hard. That's great. Um, but the chances of you being burgled during that time are very, very high. If someone else is in there, um, you've got, you got people moving in and out and they are looking after your place because the mindset is that way. And there's activity in the home, you know, and, you're enjoying a, an incredible experience in their home in a different part of the world and you're in contact with each other. And if anything goes wrong in either home, then there's an easy fix because I'll just call Frank next door. He'll come and figure it out for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, just well, another... And then I, I'm quite new on the system, but I mean, it's a paid system. It's a paid marketplace, which means that when you sign up, you need to put in your credit card information, which then needs to be verified. So this is not like a free site where people are having anonymous accounts and you don't know who is coming. I mean, you, you know who's coming to your house. You invited them. I'm sure there's got to be some type of um, system in place where if something does happen, if the person does end up being a thief, that they're going to able they're going to be able to track them down and report their information to the local authorities. And like after how many years of running this, I'm sure they have these types of things figured out. Yes, for sure, mate. And um, it, it's, it's such a mute point. No one's going to steal your shit. Well, sometimes I think it's interesting to try to figure out what the false belief patterns people might have when they listen to one of these shows and then try to tackle those things with real life examples. You know, I'm not making this stuff. I'm just asking the questions, you know, I'm making some guesses and then like, let's see, let's explore it. Let's talk it through. Is this reasonable? Is it not reasonable? So many fears that people have out there are not based on reality. It's not what is actually happening in the world. After traveling to more than 100 countries myself, over 20 plus years of being an expat, I can tell you firsthand, people are inherently good. It's just a fact. Like I, I have never seen anything in contrary to this. And it doesn't matter what country they come from, um, male, female, young, old, or, or religion, or any type of excuses that someone might make. I mean, people are people and are inherently good. And if you're signing up for something like this, I think you're showing the best of humanity, not the worst. 100%, mate. 100%. Like I said, the travel and the way we traveled, even if we traveled and, you know, in a slightly different manner, um, you know, uh, you know, that restoration in fighting humanity is, is so key, is so tangible. And it makes you such a less anxious person and less angry person and more accepting person and happy and positive 
and willing to try new things and meet new people. And, you know, it's just, it's just, damn, it's nice to trust again, you know, like, uh, so give me, give me some, some advice. If you have someone out there who's like, you know what, this sounds pretty neat. You know, what, what are some things they should know or maybe some advice based on your experiences, things that you learned kind of the hard way that you wish that people would know to kind of make their life a little bit gentler if they want to do this? If they, okay, well, if they want to jack everything in and go traveling around the world or if they want to dip their toe into home swapping? Let, let's it, keep it on the home swap. Let's keep it on the home swap for now. But, you know, they want to, they, they've got a property of, under their name or they have somewhere that they can list. They join the site, they're signed up. They have the, they have the, um, the, the pictures done. They have all that type of stuff. What's the advice for the actual travel or, or the things that they can put into place to make this a smooth experience? Communication um, is, the, uh, is, is the key to life, really. You know, um, if you think about it, um, there's a great quote. I'm going to butcher it. Um, the problem with communication is we believe communication has taken place or something like that just because we've, um, we've spoken a few words. Yeah, so that's, that's the key. Like, um, communicate. Start reaching out to people on the site. Don't be afraid to go for that 15-bedroom super ranch with the three swimming pools and a helicopter pad, which you're just going to like. That's, that's what I did with, um, uh, like I alluded to earlier, the, um, the, the guy from the rock band. That house, we wanted to, we wanted to swap in, I guess, south of France somewhere. And that house kept coming up, and I kept looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know who it was. Doesn't say anything about like, you know, doesn't say anything like that. Just says yada, 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 two kids, you know, this is our house. Would love to swap anytime. Didn't approach, didn't approach, didn't approach. And I, you know, this is a bad mistake to make. I'd already been doing this a couple of years and still inbuilt in me. I felt cheeky knowing that that home is way beyond anything I could offer. Maybe people think that it needs to be a one-to-one exchange. To get a 10-bedroom or 15-bedroom villa, you need to yourself have a 10 or 15-bedroom villa, which most people obviously will not. Right. So, yeah, good point. This is not the case. You never know why someone needs to be in your part of the world. You just have no... You know, never assume, right? It makes an ass out of you and me. Just, like, just put out the communication. Uh, and so in this case, I finally just sent it out. And bam, sure enough, within... That afternoon, like the uh, the response came back, like this is crazy. We are going to be in that part of the world. We already have another home, uh, another swap set up in Phuket, and we were looking to think about you know what's our next step. And Kosamori ties in amazingly. They were touring. The band, the band was on tour. You mean? Yes. And the, if I had not have reached out. We would never have had that. And they were over the moon. Like these guys can afford whatever they want, whenever they want. It doesn't matter, right? But they were over the moon that another family was willing to swap their home in Kosamui, which suited them down to the ground. Quiet, tiny little community. There's a small swimming pool for them and the family. There's enough room. There's the kitchen. They can self-cater and they can just decompress. What is this place? <laughs> My mum jumped on a plane from England and come and spent the week with us because we had the room. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, so for anybody that is like thinking... So I once had 
an interview with a guy from the Sun newspaper in the UK about home swapping. And he was doing a whole like expose on home swapping and sharing economy and love home swap and whatever else. And at the end of the um, interview, like uh, off the record, he's like, yeah, sounds all great for you, Dan, but you know, I've got a one bedroom flat in Dagenham or something. I'm like, list it. He's like, what? Why would anyone want to come here? I'm like, list it. Take some pictures, list it. Have you got a bike? Yeah. Live with a girlfriend? Yeah. She got a bike? Yeah. How far are you from the, uh, the train station? Three minutes. You happy to let people use their bike? Yeah. You happy to let people use your train tickets? Yeah. Do you have um, a football season ticket to any of the clubs? It's like, I think he had one to like Crystal Palace or Fulham. I can't remember. You happy for anyone to use that? Well, yeah, of course. List your apartment. You have no reason to not offer something. I'll tell you what, if you list it, if you get nothing back within two weeks, like you reach out, you've got to be active and reach out, you know, wherever you want to go, reach out. If you get no return in two weeks, I will cover the cost of your, um, I think I was, I think I bet him like 20, 25 pounds or something. Um, if you got no response, it was like a no brainer for him. And yeah, sure enough, two days later, he, he emailed me back. He's like, this is unbelievable. We've just got a holiday booked. I can't remember where he's going, Portugal or Spain or something. Um, because those people love the idea of coming to stay on the outskirts of London, 20 minutes in the center of London, do the museums, do the palace, do all that kind of stuff. And they've got a roof over their heads with a kitchen and a bedroom and the use of bikes. Like, it's mad. You don't know why, again, someone might want to need to be in your, in your region for a birthday or an anniversary or a funeral or a wedding or whatever. You have no idea. Well, and I remember when I was growing up, my grandparents had uh, an Airbnb. And the biggest, the, the largest amount of people that came were for the hospital. So it would be the relatives or the spouse or someone, because we had really um, incredible hospitals at that time in, in that area. And their place was, say, five minutes or 10 minutes from the hospital. So, I mean, you don't know. You don't know. Maybe the spouse is having surgery done and they don't want to stay in, the, in a hotel. They want to feel at home. And they were having rooms rented out on an Airbnb or on a, a bed and breakfast. I think I said Airbnb before. I mean, I meant a bed and breakfast. And that was because they were close to the hospital. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that at first instinct, but I mean, it totally makes sense when you think it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, there's so many options and it's so doable and it's such a great experience. And then there's one other thing that I had, of, I had a thought about, and that was when you own a place or live in a place, sometimes you want to do an upgrade or sometimes you want to get something new, like you know, maybe use a pool table or a foosball table or a gym or something like that. Like, do I really want to spend $10,000 on a gym for my, inside my house? Maybe if it's, you're the only one using it, maybe not. Maybe if you use it and your spouse use it and your kids use it, maybe a little bit more. But now if that adds value to the property and that you know you're going to be able to have that as a selling feature or as a unique selling proposition, that that might make a lot of sense. Maybe with the pool table, a family will go, oh, this will be great. My teenage boys will have something to do at night and they're not going to be getting into trouble, you know? I mean, you don't know. But 
this gives you an opportunity to kind of invest in things that you might want to do anyways, and maybe not feel quite as guilty about it because there's alternative uses or additional uses that it'll get uh, used for. So I, I thought that was kind of a cool, um, a cool prospect as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfectly, perfectly reasonable um, summation. Yeah. Well, today I love the conversation. We definitely went past our hour, but I mean, I've learned a ton of things. I'm really excited about this, just so everyone knows. I think this is so cool. As a growing family, I'm looking for other opportunities and, you know, with siblings that have kids and I want to go on holidays with them and with my wife's parents. Um, there's alternatives out there and it's important to, to start trying them out and supporting these entrepreneurs who run these businesses. And I mean, this is libertarianism. This is the marketplace gets to decide what things are worth. If you think that, you know, your 10 bedroom place is worth it to get, you know, access to football tickets and stay in London, then, I mean, that's your choice. It's not some arbitrary uh, external force that gets to decide this for you. That's your choice. That's your right. And if you make the agreement with an honest and ethical other human being, I mean, then go for it. Try it out. What's the worst that could possibly happen? Going back to our conversation before about fear setting, I mean, like, what's the worst that is going to happen? Probably you have insurance on your place. Probably nothing's going to happen at all. Um, they don't respond to your emails. Oh, big deal. I mean, try someone else. There's lots of chances out there. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. If my listeners want to find out more about what you do, if they want to read your blog and check out what your family is up to, where can we send them? Sure. Um, the blog is uh, princesofthegrid.weebly.com. Uh, I was too tight to spend the 10 bucks a month or something to drop that Weebly out. And uh, so I'm shilling Weebly because, uh, you know, whatever. They built a great product. They're, they're entrepreneurs and they... they I. Oh, they deserve the shill. Um, I, I'll be super honest. The, the blog has not been updated for uh, a few years, um, but um, it's all there. Like everything we did, everything we achieved, um, everything that you've learned about today, there's home swapping, homeschooling. Um, there are some videos. Uh, you know, there's the, uh, the whole story, the whole travel blog where we, so you'll be able to see some of the homes that we, we swapped into. Um, it's, it's all there for everybody. Um, all of the podcast episodes that, uh, I've appeared on, um, you can find those as well. Um, if you want to check, check out the book, it's uh, choose life. You can find that on your local friendly Amazon store. It's uh, listed in pretty much every country. I think as many as I could, um, have the option for, um, if you want to find me on Twitter at Princey. 90, uh, yeah, at Princey 1976. So P R I N C E Y, um, where I talk a lot at the moment, uh, about Bitcoin and, um, that's my podcast once bitten, which you're coming on Mikel. We're going to be talking about second passports and second residencies and all the fun things that you can buy today with Bitcoin. It's going to be exciting. Yes, we are. We are going to be talking about, um, how does one extricate oneself in a professional way and uh, get a dual citizenship and uh, go, uh, you know, go all Jason Bourne, um, which is going to be uh, pretty fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. So uh, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show and I uh, hope um, 
your listeners got some value out of this, uh, at the very least, maybe got them thinking a little bit differently uh, around um, a few subjects and a few topics and in a way that um, might challenge some old style beliefs and, and help them, you know, challenge the fixed mindset and, and move forward and, you know, perhaps just change a slight part of their life and let that snowball take over and, um, you know, put a smile on their faces. So uh, thanks so much for inviting me on. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Daniel, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone, Mikkel here. So I have an ask for you today. If you're enjoying this podcast, what I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you want to leave us a five-star review, even better. If not, tell us why. We are really doing our best to make this show the absolute best it can be to help as many people to go offshore and inspire entrepreneurs and investors and business owners to move their businesses abroad. There's so much to be had in this industry. I love doing this work and I love doing this podcast, but we want to get the message out there to more people. And the best way to do that is with reviews. So if you have ever gotten one good tip, one good thing from this show, if you enjoy listening to us every single Wednesday or whenever you listen during the week, then please take 30 seconds out of your day, go out there, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It actually makes a big difference for the show, for the visibility, and really helps get the word out there. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.